0: Welcome to the Door County Falls podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. You survived another Fall Fest. I was out of town. So uh, tell me a little bit about it. How did it go down? Yeah, it was a great weekend up there in Sister Bay. They
1: had, I think, the biggest crowd I've ever seen for Fall Fest. You know, in recent years, they've moved from being a very top of the hill Husby's bowl centered event. And now it's really stretches down to like there might be more people down at in, in the Stabur area down by Al Johnson's. Um so it, it kind of spreads the crowd out. It's fun. Uh kid stuff in the in between. The the moving of the craft fair did not kill the event. Um it it actually helped in year one. So like for those listening, they moved the craft fair from Mill Road to the opposite side of Mill Road uh, on the other side of uh, Highway 42 this year. And because they need to have that road open for emergency vehicles. And sure enough, as the parade was coming down the hill right after it started, they had to take an ambulance down Mill Road right to the Door County Confectionary where uh, somebody had had some medical event and had to be taken out in the middle of the parade on a stretcher. So right, I saw that. That person gave a, a wave to the crowd as he was going into the ambulance and got a cheer, almost like uh, an injured player going off a football field. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that ambulance to get there in a in a previous year would have probably had to loop around the town, might have taken five, ten more minutes to get there. So right. that paid dividends. The, weather, the shuttles were
0: running too, right? The,
1: yeah. The weather's great. The shuttles, hundreds of people use the shuttle in Sister Bay, and I think another... I think, like, 700 riders use the one going from Bailey's Harbor to Sister Bay and back. What I take from that is just, like, transportation in Door County is one of those things that people always throw their hands Like, Well, we're a rural area. never figured it out. We couldn't have a bus system. We can't do this, that, and the other thing. But we've got some creative people making attempts and saying, all right, we're going to try it. We're going to invest in it and do a trial run. And, you know, you had a ton of riders use this thing, and they only found out about it a week before. Right. and The week before that at Pumpkin Patch, the folks from Horseshoe Bay Farms sponsored a shuttle to take people from Horseshoe Bay Farms to to the village, and that got 550 riders. So what they've proved is there is on these busy weekends, and that probably goes for the whole summer, certainly on those weekends, there's big demand for people who want public transportation, who don't want to have to deal with parking, and who want a safe ride to and from their destination. So these small attempts... Might be setting the stage for some really big developments in the transportation area.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely cool to see things going on like that, and to to see us, you know, taking little steps forward to uh, a a different looking future.
1: Yeah, Louise Hausen actually had some uh, a point about that too, in that you know if, if that's let's say five hundred people use a shuttle to get to and from downtown Sister Bay over that weekend, five hundred people who aren't fighting for parking spaces. Right, and that is essentially like a much cheaper smarter, more environmentally friendly way to create a parking lot is to put them all on a bus versus building a parking lot for them all to park.
0: Right. So, so we survived Fall Fest. Uh, we've got another event coming up this weekend, the Fall 50. You've been getting ready for that.
1: Yeah. Um, this year, I'm just uh, going to go down there and help judge the costume contest. I don't have to do all the setup. I'm a nice. little too busy here at the Pulse. But uh, the weather is great today. Um, it's supposed to be much... Last year, we had snowstorms for it, and it was brutally cold. Um luckily the runners are hardier than I would have been and they you know that that event is like 400 relay teams and like 100 or so solo runners who actually do the full 50 miles by themselves. But those relay teams are four to six people, so you're talking 2000 people taking part in that event and it's a ton of fun so if you're in town cheer them on they
0: need the cheers well in the fall 50s fun too because uh, like you said you've got a bunch of relay runners and a lot of them come up with group costumes yeah uh, i think my favorite one that i saw a couple of years ago was the uh, the entire mystery ink team You had fred <laughs> velma daphne scooby shaggy nice. um there's some people who get really good costumes and it's cool
1: like if you're on one of those relay teams you run your three mile, like I usually ran the shorter distances, so I would do like the three mile or the five mile and somebody else takes a baton and runs 15 miles. And while they're running, you stop and have coffee, maybe grab breakfast, uh, maybe just cheer on other teams or or grab a beer or something on the, uh, as you bounce around from town to town. And then you all end up down in Sturgeon Bay and Sean Ryan puts on a huge party down at Sunset Park. I mean, mm-hmm. two massive, probably the biggest tents that any event has in Door County. Um, he'll have down there tomorrow night for the for the fall 50 finish party. It's great.
0: Have you ever seen anybody go as the Ghostbusters?
1: Oh yeah, yep. That I've seems like that. It'd be a really good one. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I've seen that. Star Wars. There's some there's some really good ones.
0: Yeah, uh, it should be fun. I hope the uh, the weather holds up for everybody this year. Um, and,
1: and especially if you're driving by like Bayshore Drive at like 5 p.m. on Saturday, and you see someone running. That is probably one of the last solo runners who's probably around like mile 42 or 45. So honk your horn, cheer them on, give them some space because they're probably just about zoning out or, or blacking out on their run. I, I always think it's so cool to see those people toward the end because they've probably been out there 11, 12 hours at that point. Uh, it's, it's really astonishing that people can do it.
0: Why don't we move on to uh, some news this week? We have a couple stories, a couple updates to give on some things, one of which we, we've been talking about for a little while, another of which I know has been kind of in the background for years, but I don't know if we've ever talked about it uh, a ton on the podcast. Uh, but let's start with uh, just an update on the West Side School down in Sturgeon Bay. Uh, there's an affordable housing proposal in the works for that, and uh, they have taken the next step in that process, correct? Correct
1: yeah really quick rundown on on the background there is the the old West school been unoccupied for about 20 years uh been on the wish list for Sturgeon Bay to redevelop into anything but still keep save the historic aspects of that school for a long time and the proposal from Andy Dumpke and Northport developments to create affordable housing and do a 40 unit complex there has now passed the plan commission by a 6-1 vote and it moves on to the Common Council for first reading next month and then could be approved as soon as November 19th. Then there's, of course, still some applications and legwork done to be done in, for some affordable housing tax credits and historic tax credits for the rehabilitation. But it looks like that's going forward. And, uh, you know, they still have, you know, there's a controversy about the softball field. Um, but the city has essentially said we need the housing more than we need this softball field as beloved as it is. Sure. Um, so they still got to figure out how they're going to replace that field. But to build the housing as that the developer, to make it financially viable, they needed to make it bigger, which meant buying the softball field. But as of right now, it looks like it's moving forward. And, you know, I talked to da- Mayor David Ward this week, and he talked about that as kind of a, you know, that's not going to solve all the housing problems. But you add that. You have some of the housing on the outskirts of town, which Patty Vickman, the superintendent at Southern Door, said they added 12 new students at Southern Door High School just from one of those housing developments on the south end of Sturgeon Bay. Some of those not not like low-income housing, but like just affordable units. So it's already making a difference in school populations. And, and for Sturgeon Bay's west side, that's like they need good news. <laughs> they need positive steps forward. And- um like as the mayor said like this this might be one of those first big positive steps forward
0: Right, and the, the solution for affordable housing isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. It'll no. probably be a patchwork of different creative solutions that all come together, and uh, I'm excited to see the precedent that this sets as one of those creative solutions. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it moves forward uh, and what people can take away from the process as we kind of you know try to explore some other options and, and try to make this thing happen in some more areas.
1: Yeah, I'm actually working on a story this week to catch up on some uh, progress with the Door County Housing Partnership, which is sort of like a land trust for affordable housing. And it looks like the city of Sturgeon Bay is going to hand over some lots for them to do like a trial project to build some affordable housing and some habitat for humanity housing. And so you have, Sturgeon Bay's had a lot of bad press or a lot of controversial press, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And to see a couple of of really solid steps forward, you know, trying two different Drastically different approaches. I shouldn't say drastically, um, but two different approaches to address different aspects of the the housing
0: problem. Um, it's good to see. Yeah. One more thing before we uh, take our break here. Uh, we've talked about the west side, the Surgeon Bay West Side waterfront, all of the stuff that's been going on there for years now. At this point, uh, but one thing that I don't know if we've talked about too much on the podcast is the Maritime Museum's tower that's been that they proposed. Right. The, from what I understand. Part of the overall like West Waterfront plan features a prominent tower as an addition to the Maritime Museum. And it would be an extension of the Maritime Museum. And it would kind of fit into that whole West Waterfront skyline, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I've heard about this for a long time. Uh, I don't know any specifics on it. Tell me a little bit about the background behind this and then where are we right now? It's just a cell tower on the west side. Awesome. That's the new 5G tower. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's uh the Door County Maritime Museum, back in their original plans uh, when they when they built the new museum twenty some odd years ago, there was talk of one day building a tower. They didn't have the money at the time. They they had much bigger fish to fry. And then in 2014, they finally launched a capital campaign to build the Maritime Lighthouse Tower, which would be a 10-story structure with kind of like displays on each floor, kind of themed for each floor and some educational stuff on each floor to kind of like the STEM or now people calling it STEAM uh, for children's technology education, engineering education, math, sciences. And then they would have this like, you know, grand overlooks at each floor, but especially that 10th floor, you're getting like an Eagle Tower for Sturgeon Bay that would, you know, you're going to be looking toward the canal on one side and the bay on the other and, Pottawatomie State Park and the shipyards and everything. So officials in Sturgeon Bay see that as a potential game changer for the city in terms of a tourist destination. And I mean, it remains to be seen, like, how many many people does that attract? And how, like, I I think back to Eagle Tower, like, how many people, they didn't have a ticker on there. So you don't know how many, is that tens of thousands? Is it a few thousand? Is it 50,000? Is it much more? I don't know. But they see that as a potential big tourism draw for Sturgeon Bay and kind of change of perception. Some people don't like it because they see it as like a, a fake lighthouse when we have all these real lighthouses that we could be restoring. Right. <laughs> for others, it's seen as a real keystone opportunity for the city. I got some criticism once because we mentioned this on the podcast when I called it like a lighthouse structure. And somebody said, well, it's not a lighthouse, but the name of it is Maritime Lighthouse Tower. So <laughs>
0: it's a lighthouse. Uh, it's a lighthouse tower. Yes. Uh, it's named lighthouse. Yeah. This is our tower. His name is Jim Lighthouse. <laughs> yes. But it's great news. They got, they,
1: they've kind of been stuck on their funding for it. They were trying to raise $5.5 million to build this tower. They've been stuck at kind of like halfway there for a couple of years. And they've had to get a couple of different extensions for their development agreement with the city. And le- just last week, the George Crest Foundation came through with a million dollar donation. So they're up to 4.3 million dollars raised now of the 5.5 million and word is they are getting very close to knocking down some doors to get a big chunk of the rest. So you might be looking at potential steps forward, maybe groundbreaking on that sometime in 2020, which would be really exciting for the city of Sturgeon Bay, really exciting for Door County to have a different draw. And when you think about, I don't think of that as like a, oh that's that's competition for the tourists that come north. Like that's another hallmark attraction if it turned if they do it as well as its hope that they they construct that that could be really exciting to add this this whole other element and and change how people perceive what sturgeon bay is, is
0: mm-hmm. that- well and it, it's really interesting to think about how sturgeon bay could look completely different in like two years yeah you know what i mean with with the granary already transforming a portion of that waterfront property Putting a ten-story tower in there is like going to dramatically change how Sturgeon Bay looks from any angle. It's to be seen whether it's for the the better or the worse, depending on your opinion on it. But uh, it's definitely exciting to think about. Yeah, I mean, you think about the images of a community of a town. Like if you think of
1: Ephraim, you think of the classic picture that people take of the kind of looking back across the bay at the the village and the white buildings and the steeples and stuff, and it's like this iconic sort of image in, in Anderson Dock. If you think of Egg Harbor now, like what do you think of if you you mention Egg Harbor? What's one of the first structures you think of?
0: I mean, honestly, I think about the marina. It's Murphy Park, yeah? No, so,
1: Murphy Park is the one south by Horseshoe Bay Farms.
0: Sure. It's the, the park area up there, the big hill, and then the marina. That's what I think of when I think Egg Harbor, honestly. It's the actual harbor. Okay. I guess now when you think about it, you like my perspective of Egg Harbor is shifted south more towards like Hatch and One Barrel and that kind of zone. It, it's hard to ignore Shipwreck's giant building now. So it's like uh, Egg Harbor doesn't look the same as it did five years ago. Um, yeah. Doesn't look the same as it did 10 years ago. And
1: it's, the reason I ask that is just exactly that is that marina, I mean, they, they had a marina for a long time, but it was never like... A grand structure. It was not something you thought of as a centerpiece of the town. And now that Marina and Park are a centerpiece of the town, they're only 10 or 12 years old. First thing that comes to my mind now is like the Crest Pavilion. And that's what a lot of people identify as like the, the marquee structure in Egg Harbor. It didn't exist four years ago. You yeah. know, such a prominent part of what that town is and what people's perceptions of that town is. Even every building you mention, the, the Marina wasn't there when I was a kid. Shipwreck was rebuilt two years ago. Hatch wasn't there four years ago. One Barrel wasn't there, and the crest wasn't there. And if you go through each town, it's just kind of like Sister Bay has changed dramatically. There's, Sister Bay's probably got a few more of the old hallmark places. But you take that same transition to Sturgeon Bay and you say, all right, if they, let's say it's five years from now and we're talking about Sturgeon Bay. We, you, we might be talking about that west waterfront as the centerpiece of what that, that city is between a maritime tower, the Bay Loss building the granary repurposed into some sort of public facility and then that waterfront promenade and whatever else gets done with that West waterfront, whether it's a park, whether maybe they end up with a cool fountain structure, maybe it's an ice rink, but that could be the center of Sturgeon Bay. Whereas right now it's empty piles of dirt. And for years it was, you know, just old industrial kind of bland non-public at all. So it's, it's just kind of, it'll be interesting if, we're, if there's still podcasts in 10 years, who knows what it is by then. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're just going to be talking directly into your brain at that point. Yeah, I'll, we'll just be embedded in people's heads. So. Well, uh, that's exciting. Lots of little updates this week. So why don't we take a break, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to have Celeste Benchwell in. She uh, did a really interesting piece about the changing perspectives on technical college versus, you know, a four-year degree, that kind of thing. So we'll come back here shortly, and Celeste will join us for that.
2: They called themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay, because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood, and metalwork. anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the
1: whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season.
0: Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash our Door County. Okay, we are back. How are you doing, Celeste?
2: Doing great, thank you.
0: Good, good to have you back in. Uh, so give me kind of the overview for uh, for what you've been working on.
2: So I started a piece over the summer when technical schools in Wisconsin got some funding just for, you know, a number of programs. And so I talked to the president of NWTC, um, Dr. Jeffrey Raffin, which led me to kind of chase this story down a little bit. It's basically about how technical colleges and two-year programs are becoming a lot more popular um, for a number of reasons, like the cost effectiveness of it. You can now you know, start your education at a two-year school and then transfer to a uh, four-year university to finish out. There's dual credit that high school students can start earning while they're in high school that also count as college credit classes. So there's a number of reasons why tech colleges have a lot of advantages.
0: Well, and a little bit of background, too. So NWTC has a campus up in Door County. Uh, I don't know how many people actually know that, but it's up by the old Bay Lake Bank building, I believe, was donated to become the campus. And they have a couple of different programs up here. They have a community kitchen up there, which is really useful for a couple of different businesses up in Door County. But they also teach culinary classes there, I believe. They recently added that in northern Door County. They have long had a campus in Sturgeon Bay,
1: which is also part of Door County.
0: This is why (laughs) this is why clarification is important, because I didn't know that. Where's their campus in Sturgeon Bay?
1: Uh, Right by Sturgeon Bay High School. If you gosh, I, I blanking on the name of that road. But it's just just down the road from Sturgeon Bay High School.
0: Hmm. If I didn't know that there was a campus in Sturgeon Bay, I'm sure there's plenty of people who didn't know that there was an arm of it up in Sister Bay either. Yes, absolutely. So a little bit of background. So then my other question for clarification is, when I think technical colleges, I think about, like, trade skills. Uh, It's much more than that, correct?
2: Right. And that's another thing everyone used to think, um, you know— boys go to tech school and they learn welding and they do all the greasy mm-hmm. work and we're, do tools and stuff, but actually you can get a number of associate degrees like, I don't know, IT and tech stuff. The health field is like super popular, um, especially at NWTC and I'm sure elsewhere. So yeah, anyone can go there, any age. There's just like so many more options rather than the old view.
0: When I was uh, looking for different colleges to apply to, Before I ended up settling in Augsburg in Minneapolis, I was really looking at Anoka Ramsey Community College because they had a really great theater program. So another element to that, too, if you don't know exactly what you want to do but you want to kind of stick in the arts realm, sometimes you can find a community college that does really, really great arts programs. Hmm. uh, And you can just jump in, do two years of community college theater, and then decide what to do from there. And NWTC,
1: the Sturgeon Bay campus just a few years ago, did some major remodeling too. So even just, you know, we talk about the perception of it in terms of what class offerings there are. But if you stopped at NWTC's offices, like it's kind of a bright, airy, (laughs) well-lit, beautiful campus now. When I was a kid, you'd drive by it and you kind of thought of like this dingy building and all you could picture being inside that building was like, Welding and manufacturing and carpentry and stuff, and so there's just so much more variety and the, the just the whole look of the school is different. Um, they also have a, a much larger campus down in in Green Bay. One of the things that is changing as as the college costs go up for four year schools, and you come out with a four year degree or a two year associate's degree, that four year degree might cost you. I mean, could be be well over a hundred thousand dollars depending on the school you go to. But even a state school nowadays, that's going to be well into the tens and tens of thousands of dollars, but you can come out for much less and probably make about the same money. And in fact, there's, there was a Harvard study back in like 2011 that said if you, you take away like the very wealthiest portion of the country, like the top 1% of wage earners, and a two-year degree is actually gonna, on average, you're gonna make more than somebody with a four-year degree because you have like a very specific honed-in skill. But you know, that top end a lot of times isn't there, but you're gonna make similar money or better money and I wonder if, like, when you were talking to the folks at the tech schools or students or or teachers, if that came up.
2: Um, I just received some data about, I think, 2016 and 2017 academic year. I mean, there's a super high percentage of kids that got their associate degrees there that were employed within six months of graduating and starting off with, like, a mean salary of just a little over $40,000, like, right off the bat, so... I mean, that's pretty insane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, I think your mileage may vary with this little piece of advice. But, like, in my opinion, and remember, theater degree here, so not like architecture or, you know, becoming a lawyer. It's not so much about what your degree is. It's the connections and the experiences that you have. In college, that really matter. You know what I mean? So it's like I have a theater degree that's not going to open any doors for me. It's the connections that I made, and the right. experiences, and the, the skill set that I develop. That's what's going to get me in the door of of different places. Yeah. So, and, and again, that that might not uh, translate to some other degrees where it's like if you don't have a four year degree, then they're not even going to look at you as an applicant. Uh, but I, I could see it being a pretty broad thing I mean, it's it's the connections that you make more than anything that are going to open those doors
2: mm-hmm. that's even happening in high school already. for example, Sturgeon Bay and other I think Sevastopol or Southern door, whatever it doesn't matter. but there's a program where students were taking a class to build a home um, and they would also get college credit at at NWTC for it um. And so you're working with already local companies to, you know, help facilitate the class and help plan and all that. So they're already meeting, you know, business leaders and stuff in the community still in high school. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. The I was at a roundtable discussion uh, for that Door County Economic Development Corporation put on. And Lieutenant Governor was there, Caleb Frostman, the former head of DCEDC was back. He's now the head of the Department of Workforce Development for the state. And it was a group of the heads of a lot of the the industrial companies down in Sturgeon Bay, as well as some superintendents of local schools and some representatives from NWTC. And what, what a lot of these business and manufacturing leaders said was, we want more apprenticeship programs in the schools. We want to be showing these students while they're in high school that there are good jobs here and that If they enjoy doing this and they're interested in this, you don't have to go away to do this. You can have a great career right here and you can go to the local tech school if you wanted to, or you can go away and come back. But they're really feeling, as as so many places are just struggling to find workers now, they want to get their claws in them early. And because, you know, it's hard to attract people. If someone's looking at a map of, of Wisconsin or a map of America, Door County looks really remote, really far north and really cold. And... It's hard to attract people when you're just doing a cattle call on these on these college job boards and trying to post your your career there to get them to even once they look you up. I mean, people are just glazing over that and saying, "Nope, nope, not there." So you have to find ways to get people connected to your company earlier and and make an impression on them. And the easiest ones to do those with do that with are the people who grow up here. So uh, I know multiple business leaders had said, we, we'd love to find ways to get some of those like two-year degree skills in front of students as a viable career option. Right. And and what we saw when we put the education issue together this year, when our well education issue, graduation issue, is that it was pretty astonishing when we saw that roughly half of Southern Door's graduating class was going to some sort of technical or two-year school.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's just because of, you know, everything we've talked about so far. But It used to just be drilled into us as kids that you need to go to a four-year university to have a successful job and be paid well. But that's just really not the case anymore. Even five years ago when I was in high school, Tech College was not something that we talked about ever. Um, But now it really is a big part of the conversation. And NWTC places career counselors in high schools now to outline all of the different options. Um, So, yeah, there's just more conversation about it and... People are realizing that, you know, your career path is going to be successful no matter what. As long as you do some, at least some post-secondary education. <laughs>
0: do you think that the cost of education is, is one of the bigger things? Do you think that as, you know, Gen Z starts to go to school that they're more hipped to the high cost of college and are saying, like, that's not for me? Like, I don't need to be paying $100,000 to go to school. I would much rather go to a place where I can, you know, scrape by on $10,000. Do you think that that's a part of it?
2: I definitely do. I talked to Jennifer O'Hanley. She's a high school counselor at Sturgeon Bay and her kids. I don't know how old they are, but she was telling me that she herself has accrued tons of debt along with her husband. You know, they both went to a four year university and she's like, well, I don't if my kids want to go to a four year school, that's totally cool. But I don't want them to have to choose a career path um, or choose an education path that's you know, going to leave them in debt by the end of it. So she outlines every option for them.
1: (laughs) I mean, I had a very similar experience when I was in high school. When they talk about college or next steps, the way that you just talk about options after high school makes you feel like you are lesser if you're not planning on going to a four-year degree. Like, And I, I think hopefully that is starting to change in schools. That comes from teachers. It comes from parents. It comes from the community at large in terms of like changing those perceptions and having a more open mind about what's, what's possible and what's, you know, forgetting about the idea of what's the right path. But when politicians for my entire lifetime have just preached about four-year, 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 only in the last six or seven years do I think that's really started to change a little bit where they're starting to talk about investing in community colleges and investing in two-year schools a little more. And that's not to say that people shouldn't go to four-year, but when I was in school, that wasn't even thrown on the table in terms of what somebody with decent grades should be looking at. Or, I mean, it was just really framed as like, you're going to be stuck for your whole life. If you don't get this,
0: if you go to community college, you're going to stay in the community. You're not going to get out of here. You're not going to go do anything bigger.
1: Yeah. And the reality is, you're just as likely to be stuck with a four year degree, <laughs> but you're going to be mm-hmm. stuck with more right. debt. <laughs> it's a little
0: bit different now because it's like, oh, I just graduated. I have to move back in with my parents because I can't pay for, you know, rent in a car and my student loan in every every month.
1: And 25 mm-hmm. years ago, the cost of state schools was so much smaller. I mean, you could you could work a summer job and, and pay a good chunk of your your year's tuition even 25 years ago you wouldn't be able to cover the whole thing but you could actually make a dent and now it's almost like a futile thing so you're just like yeah i just have to take on on college loan debt and i'm sure there's more and more parents out there that maybe that same family might have saved up money to pay for their students education 20 or 25 years ago and now they're they're saying well there's no way we can save that much extra it's impossible Healthcare costs have gone up so much. The median household income in in the United States is about the same as it was in 1979. So as those healthcare costs go, that's taken away from people's budget to save money for people to go to college. Yep. And so it's just all right. Take out more debt. And when you're when you're talking about going to college, people tell you, "Oh, student loans those are those are affordable. That's totally worth it. Take do whatever you have to do." Nobody ever says, "Well, you you might be stuck at
0: the end." Right. <laughs> my my plan for saving for my son's College is literally just going to be, I'm going to put away money for him to go to college and hope that he doesn't have to pay for college when it's time for him to go. And then he can put that money into a new car or something. So Or, or just hope he goes into the trades straight out of school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that would be much cheaper for all of us. Well, I think that that's just about going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much, Celeste, for joining us and, and chatting about this really interesting article. And uh, this whole episode was kind of like, a, look at how things are changing. What, I wonder what it's going to be like in two years, three years. What, yeah. a, mm-hmm. what a forward-facing episode of the podcast. It leaves me feeling warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you guys so much, and I'll chat with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. For more Door County news, interviews, and exclusive content, check us out at doorcountypulse.com. Or pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast to get new episodes delivered straight to your device twice a week. Thank you for listening to the Door County Falls Podcast.